Ritchie presents This is Your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. A famous American once warned us that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. All of us, of course, want security, but not at the price of freedom. That is why the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States was formed, and why today there are more than five million Americans who are members of the Equitable Society of their own free will. In about 14 minutes, we have something to tell you about the Equitable Society's 8,000 representatives and how they may help you to enjoy the freedom from worry and the peace of mind that may come with membership in the Equitable Society. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, Impersonation. Its title, The Masquerader. Occasionally, it is possible to remove any ill after-effects of a crime. When a criminal is apprehended after a burglary, for example, and his loot is returned intact to the victim, no one is penalized except the lawbreaker. However, such complete restitution is never possible in the case of one particular criminal, the imposter. He usually works with forged credentials or fictitious letters of introduction from well-known people. Even after the imposter is apprehended, he leaves in his wake a wave of suspicion, a feeling on the part of his victims that never again will they be able to believe anyone. The case you are about to hear is the story of one of those criminals, perhaps one of the most brazen imposters in the history of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Tonight's file opens in the rural district of a Midwestern state. It is early afternoon as an elderly man in overalls walks back and forth in front of the entrance to a newly constructed bridge. As a truck from one of the neighboring farms approaches, he holds his ancient rifle at his side and waves the truck to a stop. Hold it, Roy! Stop right there. What's up, Clay? Nothing wrong. You want to cross? Of course I do. Cost you 50 cents. What for? Crossing? Clyde, I'm late now. I'll see you later. Don't move. You start without paying, and I'll blow your tires off. You've been at the jug again. This ain't no fool matter. Now on, it costs 50 cents for friends and a dollar for strangers to cross my bridge. Your bridge? That's what I said. I bought it today. From who? The United States government, that's who. Paid a man $2,000 for it, and I got a deed to prove it. That's my boy, Willie, collecting at the other end. See, he's got a customer. A client. Step up on the running board and take a look. Yeah, I can't see that far without my specs. Willie got into that car with a fella. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's his car, all right. Whose? The sheriff's.
Meanwhile, in a nearby large city, a distinguished-looking middle-aged man sits in a hotel suite dictating to an attractive girl. And this will serve to introduce my secretary, Miss... Uh, uh, what name are you using here? Ann Pope. To introduce my secretary, Miss Ann Pope. New paragraph. Hmm? Because so many people here have been so kind, I find that purchasing farewell gifts for each will deplete my supply of cash. I would therefore appreciate your cashing the enclosed check. Uh-huh. Usual closing? Yes, if you're ever in Scotland doing the grouse shooting and so forth. Yeah, okay. Uh, use the blue checks. I don't have any. But I had some printed last week in Riverdale. I left that package on the train. Oh, no. Look, the checks will bounce just as high if they're yellow. The yellow checks are for next week. They've got the name Roger Sinclair printed on them. You'd better take a memory course. First, you have the wrong initials put in my Inverness cape. Then you forget to tell the hotel here that I'm Lord Roger Hudson. And now you've lost the blue checks. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Be right. I hate to hold myself up as an example. But when I was an admiral and sold those people the destroyer to use for scrap, I knew the history of that ship from the day it was launched. Yeah. Maybe I can get the blue checks if I call lost and found at the station. Girl, use your head. Huh? The law just missed us at Riverdale. If they traced us to the train, they're waiting for someone to claim that package. Oh. I don't mind being caught by the police if they outwit me, but I refuse to help them. Okay, okay. What do you want me to do, kill myself? No, I'll need you in Temple City. Jim, can I interrupt? Oh, sure, Frank. Now, this is Mr. Crawford, Agent Taylor. Howdy. Crawford, how are you? Nice to meet you. Won't you sit down, please? The SAC wants us to handle Mr. Crawford's complaint, Jim, but I'm tied up taking a statement on another case. Now, go ahead, Frank. I'll fill you in later. Thanks, Jim. Mm-hmm. Now, sir, can I be of help to you? Well, I sure hope so. Seems like I got slickered good and proper. Oh, how? Well, a fellow yesterday sold me the new bridge in Monroe County. Sold it to me for $2,000. Man, would have to be a fool not to pay that for a brand new bridge. Did he explain why he was selling it so cheaply? Mm-hmm, yeah. Said he was an official from some federal agency and they was getting out of the bridge business. Mm-hmm. Well, representing himself as a federal officer would put him under our jurisdiction. Now, sir, what was this man's name? John Smith. Can you describe him? Well, kind of tall, had gray hair, about 55 or so. Did he just take your money and tell you the bridge was yours? Oh, sir, I got me a deed. Uh, do you have it with you? <laughs> right here in my pocket. Uh, there she is. Thank you. Mr. Crawford, I'd like you to leave this with me, if you will. Oh, you reckon it'll help you find him? It might. I'm going to send it on to our laboratory, see if they have anything else in this handwriting on file. Oh. If they have and we locate a suspect, we'll probably want you to identify him. Uh, well, uh, I rather I didn't have to. Oh, why? Well, if I get in the same room with him, I might lose my head and, well, no telling what to happen. <laughs> might even wind up with another bridge. A toast, Mr. Wheeler, to Temple City, the metropolis that care forgot and sunshine remembered. Why, that's a wonderful say. I learned poetic phrasing as a boy on the banks of the Ganges. Have you ever been in India? Uh, no. Oh, what a shame. I always say, see Temple City first. We've got 37 square miles within the city limits, and Mrs. Wheeler and I have set ourselves to getting to know each of them. A high goal. Oh, uh, Miss Sheridan, did you send those cables? Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, Miss Sheridan, Mr. Wheeler. How do you do? How do you do, Mr. Wheeler? 
Mr. Wheeler is head of the Temple City Chamber of Commerce. That must be exciting. Well, Mr. St. Clair has consented to allow us to tender him a testimonial dinner on Saturday night. Isn't that nice of them? Oh, very, sir. I wish I could return the favor. Uh, Miss Sheridan, uh, would you like to attend the dinner? Oh, yes. By George, I have thought of something. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, uh, what's your favorite charity? Why, well, I, I guess a uh, Temple City Federation. I'll put on a polo match a week from Saturday, with all proceeds going to the Federation. Should raise, I'd say, $10,000. Oh, but Mr. Sinclair, you have an appointment a week from Sunday with the ambassador. Cancel it. Why are to have my horses and men flown in? And I'll buy the first $1,000 worth of tickets myself. Oh, no, we can't let you do that. Oh, oh, nonsense. Miss Sheridan, take care of the details. You'll have to form a committee, Mr. Wheeler. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, Mr. St. Clair, uh, you'll serve on it, won't you? In one of the lesser positions, you can put me down as, oh, say, uh, treasurer... FBI headquarters in Washington is the nerve center of the organization. It is notified of every case and almost invariably requested to help. In this case, for example, the fictitious deed given to the elderly farmer as part of the bridge swindle was sent to the FBI laboratory. There it was examined by the Bureau's handwriting experts who studied it carefully, then reported. Frank Washington just reported on that deed. They get anything? A complete ident. It's a swindler I arrested back east nine years ago. Who's that? Roger Mason. Alias Arthur Sinclair, Roger Calhoun, George Lake, Crown Prince Leopold, Major General Carson, Sir Howard Reseda, Baron von Steuben, and a few others. Quite a career. Well, he's been a bad check artist and imposter for 30 years, except for interruptions in jail. Selling bridges especially? Oh, no, he's versatile. He's worked every imaginable variety of confidence game and done it everywhere. Any particular pattern? Well, he usually spends about a week on each job. Goes from one job to the next without a break. It could mean he doesn't work from any home base. No, he lives out of a trunk, a wardrobe trunk. Operates solo? Well, a few times he's been arrested working alone. On other jobs, he's used a female confederate who poses as his secretary. Always the same woman? No, he switches every couple of years. Oh, uh, Washington sent pictures of Mason. They should be here by this evening. Come in here and help me. Okay. I I just can't make this tie. Hey, don't you look elegant. These evening clothes were made for me by the royal tailors in London. Roger, we're alone. They were. Oh. I insisted that the head of the firm cut the cloth himself. And as a bonus, I paid an extra 20 pounds by check. <laughs> Stand still, please. Oh, speaking of checks, did you make out that one for the polo tickets? Mm-hmm. It's in an envelope in your inside pocket. I'll present it to the Toastmaster as I finish my speech. There. That the way you like it tied? Ah, fine. And, uh, Anne. Ah? Uh? Your work this week has been excellent. Oh, uh-huh. do I get a reward? Indeed you do. Next time I'm an admiral, I'll make you a lieutenant in the waves. Agent Taylor. Uh, Jim, this is Frank. Yeah. I'm at the railroad station. A ticket seller just picked Mason's picture out of the album. He bought two tickets to Temple City. Two? Mason had a girl with him. Hmm. Any description? Just that she was blonde and well-dressed. How long ago were they there? A week or so. Well, then he's probably just about ready to leave Temple City. I'll call the police there and ask them to check on visiting celebrities. There's a plane to Temple City at 7.20 tomorrow morning. Okay, make reservations, Frank. We'll meet at the airport.
After that kind of an introduction and greeting, I'm sorry I came. I should have come here ten years ago. <laughs> to be truthful, oh, pardon me, I'm pardon. not deserving of the many Excuse kind of things you've said about me. Oh, I'm sorry. As a matter May of I fact, get through, please? Yeah. A few times, oh, excuse I me, please. See who they were talking about. Oh, pardon me. Miss Sheridan, hmm? I, I hate to bother you. Oh, that's all right. I, well, well, I really don't know, know how to tell you this. I, Is anything wrong? No, no, no. Just that, that well, the reason I was called to the phone, that well, it concerned Mr. St. Clair. Who was calling? The police. Oh? Oh, this is ridiculous. I told them that it was, but they, they wanted to know if Mr. St. Clair was really Mr. St. Clair. Well, who did they think he was? Oh, I didn't even ask. The whole thing is so outlandish. Why don't they come over and see for themselves? Oh, they wanted to, but I assured them that it wasn't necessary. I guess, really, I shouldn't even have bothered you. I'm glad you did. Miss Mr. St. Clair's whole speech. Yes, that's a shame. He's coming off the desk. Oh, he wants to see me. No, please don't mention this to him. It would only embarrass the entire city. I'll keep the secret. A wonderful speech, Mr. St. Clair. Oh, thank you, Mr. Wheeler. I just remembered an important cable I have got to send immediately. Oh, can I help? Uh, no, Mr. Sheridan can handle it. Excuse us for a minute, please. You did it again, you idiot. Never you... mind me. The cops called while you were making your speech. Are you sure? Wheeler spoke to them and chilled the beef, but it can't last. we better get out of here. You're finally right. Now what did I do? Nothing. Nothing at all. You just wrote a check for $2,000 for those polo tickets. But you told me to. I never told you to write it on the account where I really keep my money. return in just a moment to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. But right now a message from Mr. James K. Merton, a member of the Equitable Life Assurance Society for... Four years, Mr. Keating. Do you remember, Mr. Merton, just what it was that got you interested in membership in the Equitable Society? Why, it was this program, Mr. Keating. It described an insurance plan I wanted to know more about. So I looked up the phone number of my local Equitable agent. The next evening, he dropped in to see me. Now, that man really knew his business. He gave me all the facts, answered all my questions. He seemed a lot more like an advisor and a friend than a salesman. Well, that's just what equitable men are, Mr. Merton. All 8,000 of them. They believe in helping you find the kind of insurance you want. They want to make friends as well as write policies. Well, that sounds like a mighty fine bunch of men, Mr. Keating. They are, Mr. Merton. And they do know their business. Every equitable man is given special training. And he has the support of a large staff of highly trained specialists in the Equitable Home Office. And all these trained men are at your service. That's why I'd like to say this to our radio audience. If you, too, are interested in enjoying freedom from worry, if you want to find out how to protect yourself and your family, ask the man who can help you most. Ask your local Equitable Society representative. Simply consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable representative. Or write to the Equitable Society care of this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Masquerader. Each year, the American people are cheated out of millions of dollars by swindlers of every description. Some of the schemes which find ready victims are so ludicrous 
so patently fraudulent it seems improbable that they could be successful in even the most backward section. Yet your FBI and local law enforcement agencies receive daily complaints and know that actually many other victims exist who are too proud to report that they were fooled. The way to prevent your joining the list of victims is simple. Be careful. If a stranger approaches with a business proposition that promises fantastic returns, use every possible caution. Remember that no one has yet made money grow on trees. Remember, too, that only one person can keep you from being swindled. That person is you. Tonight's FBI file continues a few days later at the Temple City Chamber of Commerce. Special Agent Taylor is interviewing Mr. Wheeler. Mr. Taylor, to make matters worse, I even lent him my car. That's the one you told the police about? Yes. I thought the bank was joking when they said he stopped payment. Stopped payment? Yeah. Well, I heard all the checks were returned marked no such account. All except mine. Well, that means he actually has an account at that bank, then. Uh, Mr. Wheeler, where is that check he gave you? Oh, uh, right here. Thank you. I'll wire the bank and see if they've heard from him again. Now, did um, either Mason or the girl mention any city? Oh, plenty of them. London, Paris, Rangoon, uh, Calcutta. Uh, no, what I mean, sir, is any in this country? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon me. Certainly. Uh, Mr. Wheeler. Uh, this is Agent Dixon. Is Agent Taylor there, please? Uh, just a minute. For you. Thanks. Yum. Jim, the state police just found Wheeler's car in Emerson County. It was cracked up on Route 9. Oh, when? They didn't say. Mason left a note of apology and a check on the front seat. Another check? To cover the repairs. How near a city was the car? Fairly close to Emeryville. Okay, Frank. I'll meet you at headquarters in uh, ten minutes and we'll drive over there. Roger, we're pulling out. We're leaving Emeryville. Yes. Oh, sure glad to blow that place. Aren't you? Roger, put down the paper. What for? Well, don't you want to get a last look? I have no sentimental attachment for Emeryville. We didn't make a quarter here. We're getting out alive. No thanks to your driving. And you'll just have to be more careful. I asked you not to speed that way just before we hit the telegraph pole. I'm sorry. Yeah, that doesn't mend my leg. I know. It's not the physical discomfort I mind so much. But it throws off our whole schedule. Look, Roger, when we get to Pittsburgh, let's take a vacation till your leg gets better. You had two days off while I was in the hospital. I mean a real vacation, a long one. And in this business, we take our long vacations in jail. (laughs) You sound like you expect to be collared. Let me explain something to you. Legitimate shopkeepers pay for the merchandise they sell. So do we. They pay in money, we pay in time. Now, let me read for a while, will you? Want a drink? Huh? Let's hit the club car and get a drink. Oh, maybe later. Well, I think I'll go in alone. Oh, just a minute. Hmm? Listen to this. On Friday afternoon, Colonel John Hall will make a speech at the groundbreaking ceremonies for a new defense factory in Auburn. Where's that? Near 